the greatest thing. I hope you have this experience because it was my favorite thing. Just be it, because it felt very, and I and this is not any kind of intention to be culturally insensitive to anybody else. But my favorite favorite thing that happened during graduation was that, unbeknownst to me, my mother came to North Andover, Massachusetts, with like eighteen people, and the feeling like to look at some of my friends who had maybe like their mom, their dad, their little sister coming to graduation and they got a car. And I was like, man, you keep the car. You see all these people? Do you know how much they love me? Like these people can't afford to get down here. They did everything possible. They brought their kids just to see me graduate. Man, it was the greatest feeling that it validated going there. Many underprivileged students look at boarding school and other forms of higher education as a way out of their economic struggle. Once they get into these schools, they come in with an experience that's unique to them and much different from some of their peers. For me, knowing that I go to school on full financial aid leaves me with mixed emotions. On one hand, I am grateful. Grateful that I got such a good opportunity to receive such a high education. On the other hand, I feel stressed. I feel like there's such a big weight on my shoulders to uphold such high expectations just because I don't pay as much as everybody else. As I talked with Carl, an alum of the Brooks School class of 99, we talked about both of our experiences at our respective boarding schools and different ways how our experiences affected our lives. I'm Axel Ryan and Z, and this is why. All right. First off, thank you so much, Carl, for joining the show. How you been doing today? Uh, I'm good, man. I, I've been uh, first. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It. You know, I'm, I, as a person who makes podcasts, I am very rarely on podcasts. Uh, so it's interesting to kind of be on the other side of the microphone. Uh, but today's today was a good day. I mean, I'm in Miami for a little bit, so it's really nice. And, you know, I got my, my family out here and you know, had a couple of like business meetings, but it's been it's been pretty chill. So today's been great. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I think I can definitely relate to that myself doing podcasts. Like even though I'm on the mic talking to people, I'm usually never the one being questioned. So especially yeah. like during the school New Year times, that was interesting being actually interviewed for most. I was like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, let's get to what we're here for, right? So um yeah, I kind of sure. I want to start off with you talking about your high school life and specifically your experience at Brooks. And let's start it from the beginning. And what made you decide to go to boarding school? So uh, it was an amalgamation of things for me to go to boarding school. Um, a, a lot of it was growing up in a big city. I'm, I'm from Chicago. Um, growing up during a time period where being in the neighborhood that I was from, this is like, you know, what people might refer to as the crack era. So drugs were rampant. Uh, I definitely grew up in a household with a parent. My mom's the first uh, college graduate in my family. And um, so I grew up in a, a house full of books and, you know, the street was outside. The street was never really in my house. I have, I had a older brother still have uh, eight years older than me. And he kind of set the tone for me, like, you know, more than anything, when I was a kid, all I really wanted to do was be like him at all points in time. So, you know, it got to a point in time with my brother where I saw him kind of begin to pick the streets and become a gangster. And it became very apparent to me that I just wasn't really built for that. That wasn't my thing. So him being eight years older than me, I got to see with a reasonable amount of distance kind of what choices I had to make. And so when I saw him go through high school, I had the perception that if no matter where, if I was going to stay in the city of Chicago, it was going to be pretty hard to avoid having to engage in that environment in some way. I'd, ha I'd have to make some kind of choices. And I just knew for myself, this just wasn't my thing. I was also just like a pretty like creative, a pretty um, independent kid. So when I was in sixth grade, one of my counselors came to me and was like, hey, what do you think about uh, going away for school? And I was like, what is that? What do you mean? She's like, like, boarding school, like, go live there. And I was like, for high school? She's like, yeah. I was like, absolutely. I was super into the idea. Like, I get to live at school? 
hey, yes, let's do that. And so she was like, all right, well, here's, here's, here's what you got to do. Here's the grades you got to get. Here's the test you got to take. So from sixth grade on up to eighth grade, I was just on that track. Um, and eventually the thing about me and, and going to boarding school was that I was wholly self-motivated to do it. Like I'm, my, my mother did well, you know, academically. She, you know, graduated from eighth grade when she was 12, high school when she was 16. So she was really, really smart. But I, she was, there was no way on earth my mother was going to let a 14-year-old leave and move out of state and live somewhere. She just wasn't into the idea. So I was on me. The way I thought about it was I'm going to take all these tests. I'm going to get all the, I'm going to get as much financial aid as possible. I want to go to my mother and say, hey, if you sign these sheets of paper, that's it. I can just go. That's it. I got my uh, I got my flights back and forth paid for. I was hustling. I, she didn't have to pay for travel. Nothing. I made it totally free. Um, I found out later that the only reason she let me she she told me and maybe like four or five years ago, very recently. I thought it was wow. like it was like my ingenuity. I really thought it was like, oh, he's so smart. Of course, he wants to go. I'll <laughs> let him go. My mother was like, I was so against it. And my mother's best friend at the time, Peggy, I give her all the praises, from Ghana. And in West Africa, boarding school is like a legitimate thing. It's like it's it's culturally important. So she was the one to say to my mom, I think you need to let him go. Like, I think this is this is going to do something for him that you will never really realize. And, and I, she told me like five years ago, she's like, if it wasn't for Peggy, there was no way I was going to let you. She was the only person that I listened to to be like, all right, fine, fine. OK, so. um as we were talking about about the process of even getting the opportunity to get to boarding school once you got there what was that experience like for you because i think i know for me i vividly remember the first day and even like i could talk to my dad about this he always tells me how annoying i was that they'd be like oh i got it i got it and and just like trying to bring all the stuff up to my room by myself and just absolutely struggling. But yeah, I want to hear what your experience was like and be like, oh, so this is what it's actually like. Uh, it's, it's funny because I was so excited and my mom was so mad because we drove up, uh, had all the stuff packed in a van, got me unlike, got me loved. Uh, situated got me in the room i was all set and i promise you soon as everything was set and i felt like all right i'm i'm in my, I'm in my room i was like all right see y'all later <laughs> she was so offended that i was oh, so God. easily like ready to like be without her just what really y'all you just gonna kick me out i was so but it was i had this like excitement about the idea of like I'm by myself. I get to like figure this out. I don't know any of these people. I got to like make some friends, figure out how to wash my clothes, which I was horrible at for like a good minute. Like the first time I ever did, <laughs> I didn't know anything about separating. Wait, I need to hear this. I, I didn't know anything about separating. Uh, colors. Oh, the colors from the whites. Oh no. I spent the first like two years with like like all of my underwear was blue. I just, like, put, I just went I went way over the top with it, like way over the top with it. So it was just it was hilarious to kind of like go through those process of like, all right, how does this work? All right, oh okay, there we go. Because uh, there were kids at my school that had uh, if you paid extra. You can get laundry service. Like they, you could just put all your stuff in the bag. They pick it up. Yeah, they do that. They do that at Hotchkiss as well. Yeah. So I didn't have laundry service. Uh, so I had to figure it out. I was in there like, all right, let's just dump all this in here. Came out. I'm like, why are all my t-shirts? I was like, for it. like all the way to senior year, I always still had like blue underwear. Every once in a while, it's like this random like blue t-shirt because I, I guess I put a pair of jeans in there with it with my with my whites. It was. Silly. It was silly. But all of that stuff was exciting to me to like to learn how to do that stuff, to learn how to be by myself and engage with people. One of my favorite things that happened when I first got to boarding school was me and all of the kids on my floor. With, we sat in like a circle and all we did. And this is a wonderful thing because the world kind of like 
wakes you up a little bit later. But at that time, when you're like 14, you've, you're old enough that there are like stereotypes that have been taught to you about other people's cultures from your parents or your environment, but you don't know if they're true and you don't have any like tact or you don't feel like it's like weird to ask somebody a question about it. Literally, it was like seven of us, eight of us just sat around and just start asking questions like, why does your hair look like that? Or I heard like people were always coming at me with the like, oh, you're a black guy, right? So what's the what's the lotion thing about? We hear a lot about these lotions. <laughs> like, what is this about? It's just like a, a lot of that stuff. And I got these opportunities to say stuff that it was, you know, that, that I had been taught. And I'm like, oh, okay, we got to really have it out in a really interesting cultural way that I don't think I would ever, I don't, in college, you feel too, too self-conscious to do something like that. Only if you get a group of 14-year-olds together would they go that route. And and be like willing enough to be like, yeah, I mean, you can ask me whatever, because I'm surely gonna ask you whatever I want. Yeah, that I I think that's so interesting, especially um during like that first few minutes of moving in, and you're just seeing people like pass in, and then you're like, okay, what grade is he in? I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that, there's his room. Okay, or like for me at Hotchkiss, like there's Proctor. So do we have some upperclassmen? living there who are like trying to be like those older figures for us so like learning where they are and especially for me it was me like asking them a bunch of questions be like oh how do you do this or like for us our wi-fi shuts off at like 10 45 for lower classmates so i'll be like ah can i call my parents that's <laughs> that interesting be- so yeah like stuff like that and like even just out of that curiosity you create that bond you have such an interesting difference for me, though, because it's like I, cell phones didn't exist when I was in high. It wasn't even a oh. thing. Like oh. we had a phone on the wall at the end of the hall that you I, could go to. The funny thing is, kid. it's still there in some older dorms. It just <laughs> probably just doesn't work. That's the funny thing about it, too. But like, That's wait, funny. so do you just like so like when you got in, were you just like, like your your mom knew and you knew you probably wasn't gonna call for like the next few months. I mean, she didn't know that. I knew that. I knew <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna have to figure this thing out and just like I'll call you. So she was always calling me. She was always like, Hey, because you know, uh my mother was trying to make sure she kept the the tether to me. So it was me, my mom, my stepdad, and my brother. And so the big thing for my mom was that my stepdad and my brother didn't really get along like that. So me leaving, she's like, "Why are you leave me with these fools?" Because they just uh, argue. Just, just like messed up. Because I was part of the like me being young, me not caring, being more neutral. I could like you know keep the family together in a certain way. Uh, so me leaving, that was a thing. She couldn't stand it. But then also, she would like send to keep that tether. She would call me and be like, "All right, you know, make sure you call me. Like, don't don't spend." But also, my mother's a teacher. So the thing that's funny about that is you know she's also checking in to be like how's your math like how how are you actually doing here because that's that's a whole other thing because i to be very honest with you i was heavy into the social but the academic i just it's it took me a minute i was like yeah this is college boy i'm like school what are you talking about (laughs) yeah no i think that's the same thing i think that's so similar for like a lot of families like for me my dad him being a tutor and tutoring kids for math and like me like him teaching me making sure i was good at math and academics since i was young and then my mom kind of being on the other end making sure that i was okay and it's just like oh i don't want my boy leaving (laughs) new york with and not me not being there to take care of him so i remember going in i thought the same thing i was like I solid two weeks and I don't have to call him. I can figure it out. And then I, I, I don't even know. It was just like, I kind of, my, I kind of realized that I was going to have to try to call them. <laughs> and then after like the first night, I'm like, dang, this bed feels weird. I want to go home. And then it just kind of ended up for me uh, freshman year, just calling them every day. And then mm-hmm. gradually phased out into just, like now, like once every week, once every two weeks, whenever I have time. So I was able to deal with that. But 
yeah i've like the homesick stories is something that's so common I, I feel like within everybody who goes to boarding school and that's the funny thing i did not get homesick i really was like i'm here this is gonna be fun now the thing that snapped me back into reality was the fact that my mother is not like so do you at high school do y'all have um i'm assuming you do like you have like all your teachers, right? And I'm assuming some of your teachers live in the dorms. Yes, we have one on every on every floor. Yeah, yep, we did too. And then you have uh, an advisor, like an advisor. Yes. yes, yes. So my advisor was Mr. Rourke, who was the football coach and history mm. teacher. And the thing Mr. Rourke understood about me, which I could not stand because I didn't think he would, because that's the thing, right? Like some of this stuff, and I don't know how you grew up in New York, so you were different, right? You're from Queens, right? Yeah. So that's a very diverse place. Now, mm-hmm. I come from Chicago, and Chicago is a very segregated place. So white people were only my teachers. Like I owned them, I never had interactions with white students, like it was a different thing. So I have a bunch of very interesting interactions as a kid going to boarding school and having these like, these these mismatch. So I'll give you one example, this kid Byard, who to this day is a friend of mine. I'm in my dorm room, Byard lives across the hall from me. He walks into my room and all he's trying to do is make friends, right? But he's like, he goes in my closet and takes out one of my jackets and puts it on and he's like strutting around and I flip out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll wild out on him. Now, mind you, I was like 4'11". I weighed like 90 pounds. At least like 5'9". And when I pushed him, he looked at me and and by, what did he say to me? He said something to the effect of like, relax, relax. I'm like, I'm I'm just trying to be your friend. There's no, there's no animosity here. But also, I will whoop you. He, he had to like, give you like, you are half my size, dude. Like, you got a lot of heart, but don't think that this won't be <laughs> something that he, but I didn't care. It was just such a, to me, culturally, I wasn't, I didn't know how to engage in some of that stuff. But one thing Mr. Rourke knew was that if he needed me to do anything that I was trying to act like I didn't do, all he had to do was call my mother. That's all he had to do. If I was acting up, he was like, oh, you, oh, you, 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 you think I can't control you? So the funniest thing was I was not paying attention to school. So I, my first, you guys, did you have to have check grades? Like we have like a grade on like yes. midterm situation. So for, uh, for us, it's like semester and then market periods are kind of like the check-in or how are you doing, but it's not technically on your report card. That yeah, type of thing. Yes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when check grades came out, so what was, what I hated was, we graded on a numeric system. You don't get an A. You get a 67 or an 84. Oh. We didn't have number systems. We only graded on numeric systems. So I my average was 60-something. And it was, oh, man, my mother called me when she got those check grades. And she was like, oh, you think I won't snatch you out of that school? You think this is all like just <laughs> a given? I tell me I didn't at the end of the year get an award for the most improved freshman. Oh wow! I was like, I'm not, I'm not giving this up. <laughs> but Mr. Rourke knew he knew he was that type of person. I always appreciated that about him. He, he he enjoyed. He was he was a good person to talk to. He really did like get to know me. But he also knew when it was time to like, mm, I'm gonna have to take this to the boss because you you're not getting it. And, and I know somebody who will turn you around quickly because that's the, that was another part about it for me. I grew up with a very, um, I mean, it's the crack era. So my mom, she was she was strict in a certain kind of way. You know, I grew up during a time like I was a latchkey kid. So when I get home, my mom's not there. I had to call her as soon as I walk in the door. And I just was the type of person who really wanted to have a more independent life. I swear I was grown. But I appreciated that about the way I got to live at boarding school. But back when I was in Chicago, because my mother was so, she saw what was happening with my brother, which meant she held me tighter. I couldn't, I needed to make moves. I needed to be letting like move around a little bit. So that was another thing that kind of pushed me to even go to boarding school in the first place where I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to stay here. Cause I know if I go home, you're going to be in my business 
all day. I just, I don't, I don't want that. I really just want to figure this whole thing out. So, you know, that was, man, you're really making me like think of all these memories. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. So like with your like um the grade situation at the beginning and you struggling to find that, how was that for you? Be like, oh, shoot, I wasn't doing so well. Yeah, that was, that's tough. I mean, the funny thing about it, I give you props because. I, it was, it's the hardest part is exactly what you're saying. This recognition of like, before this moment, there wasn't a thing that I could not figure out how to teach myself. I could just watch it. And I may not have been good the first moment, but just give me a second. I can come back. It'll all begin to make sense to me. And then everything will fall into place. But you don't, it depends what the thing that's interesting about boarding school for me is you, your study habits get tested. Like, Particularly if you just like are a naturally talented kid and that's just the thing like I'm just smart and you don't really you don't keep up with the notion of like I need to get particularly when it comes to math, when it comes to science, because those things just like they're rubrics, they're repetition. You just gotta go back, do it again, do it again, get it wrong again. It's just like that work, that workhorse mentality for me was a difficult thing. And what was hard for me with the grades was to your point, it's like the 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 when you fall, getting back up was so slow. It was so hard to do. And it's like, oh my God. And you start to like, the confidence breaks. And here's the thing I'll tell you for me is that I didn't figure it out truthfully until senior year. So I stayed kind of, I always wanted to make honors and honors was 82, high honors was 86. And so I used to, I was always hovering in like 77, 78. Next I come back again and I'll try it. Oh, why am I still doing this? And then by the senior year, everything clicked. I'll tell you, which was the most the wildest thing that I realized. So by senior year, I took uh, an independent. I wanted to be an architect. So uh, the, the physics teacher was the person who taught the architectural independent. So I like was, was studying with him. I was basically designing my own house and I would sit and he had he had set me up with an architectural desk in the back of his classroom. Now, by senior year, I'm taking physics. Now, the funny thing was physics was hard for everybody. But what I realized, like, by the end of the year and, like, maybe, like, by the first, maybe third or fourth test, because he graded on a curve, we would get our test back. And all of a sudden, on a regular basis, he was like, oh, y'all got to thank Carl because he's at the top of the curve and everybody gets to grade up based on that. And... It was throwing me off. And what I realized, and I didn't realize this honestly until almost by the end of uh, the school year, it was the fact that I was so obsessed with architecture that every free period I had, I was sitting in physics, watching him teach that class over and over and over again. And I came to understand it just by, I wasn't even studying. I was like, I don't understand how I'm, how I know this. And then realizing like, oh, man, actually, I, I literally take the physics class like five times a week because I'm <laughs> always back here. <laughs> and I thought, like, oh, this why this makes sense. And they started to like things started to make their way. By the time I uh, graduated, which was my favorite moment, I graduated. And my family came down deep. I, I came back home. I'm in Chicago at my cousin's house and they mailed the grades later. And my mom walked upstairs to see me and she had my grades in my hand, in her hand. And she know I've been struggling with like the notion of not being good enough at that school. And um, she's giving me this face and I'm like, you know what I get? Like another 79. She was like, nope, 87. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those, like I spent four years trying to prove to myself that I was as smart as them kids. And, and to have that validation was like the greatest feeling in the world. Cause I know where you're coming from, right? It's like, looking at your standards and then you look around and you're like, damn, I'm really bad at this. And then you throw a little bit of the like of the black kid thing on your own back, right? It's like you you also can't you can't suffer being this much worse than too many of the kids around you because you already feel a little bit out of place being the yeah. black kid. So it's like, nah, 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 nah. At the very least I gotta be exceptional because I'm already a little too different in this environment. So that is, man, that was such a great validating day for me. I won't lie. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it's just like being a black student and especially like I'm the only one who 
out of my whole family was able to go to such a good school. So it's like, and like even my parents being immigrants from the Ivory Coast still have family back over there. And then sometimes my mom calls her mom and then she, and like, she has an idea of what I'm doing. It's like, oh, make sure he's doing good. And I'm like, ah, shoot, I better not mess up. So it's kind of just like me knowing that I have family who are hoping for the best of me. And then it's just like, I think messing up is also just 10 times worse when you're knowing, when you know that feeling. And I think like probably like the best thing for me was just like going to other black students or students of color who were kind of going through the same thing. Like for me with Prep for Prep, they had a pretty big family. So I was, so everybody kind of had generally a kind of similar situation so i was able to go back with those people people went through like a better chance and all or all of her scholars and stuff like that so like within my affinity group just talking to those students and just like be like oh i'm not the only black kid who's experiencing this you know do y'all have like do you guys have those kind of like we had it was called the spirit for us it was kind of like black student union Kind yes. of situation. Do you guys, yeah. you guys have those groups? Yeah. So basically, like we have BASA, which is Black and Hispanic Student Alliance, which is like general meetings where white students could also come. And yeah. then we also have affinity groups called Men of Color, Ahotskis, also known as Mocha, and then Cafe, um, which is for um women of color at, at the school. So we'll also have those separate meetings and a lot of that is just like me and a bunch of my friends. So it's like, and like now me applying and now I'm going to be the club head for that affinity group is just like, okay, how we're going to bring the community and people who are also a part of that group who are not going to meetings, how we can make them go to the meetings. And I don't know what it's like for you, but I'm kind of interested to hear how uh, your relationship to like those clubs you had at Brooks and how you were able to figure that out. It was kind of the same, like just, you know, I joined Spirit. Spirit was like, they were all my friends, right? Like the thing about being, like going to boarding school in Massachusetts and being from Chicago, for the most part, absent like a few day students, all of the kids of color were from big cities like me. So we were all like joining those organizations. But to your point, always trying to find the spaces to kind of bring everybody in. My favorite thing about being in, in, in I keep saying favorite, but uh, being in boarding school was like me and all of my friends always sat at the same lunch table. And what we started to realize was, although a lot of the rest of the school would make comments about like, oh, look at the black kids sitting at the black table. We would look around and be like, we actually have the most diverse table in this school because all we care about is are you down like can you come hang with us can you get the joke like we don't care about what you look like and then you start to look around like oh all the asian kids at that table and all the way like everybody's kind of reaching for themselves at, at at the lunchroom table but for us it always felt like it was like a rifling like it was a always like a cycle of kids who were just kind of part of our quote unquote family that were of all different walks of life that always kind of like, oh, let me sit and hang with y'all. Cause that was another thing for us. We were also like the haven for the for the stray, for the person who felt like they didn't belong anywhere. We were like, hey, we kind of feel like that too. Come on. Like come, come with us. We'll be cool. And just kind of like open it up in that way. Uh, but I think that kept us feeling very um free to be uh proud of how we decided to, to exist socially because that's that was a tough thing right because i feel like you get into those schools and how, how big is Hodgkiss? how many kids um 600 all right we were like three and so oh, wow so that's yeah. even smaller wow yeah books oh, wow. are small and so it was just like a lot of that stuff would kind of bubble up and so we had to find the ways collectively as a group to kind of like look out for each other and make because that was a thing another thing about it and i don't know if you've experienced this but when i got to brooks there was like a collection of particularly black kids who were like all right this is how it works and just like school you to how to be in school right like these yes. these are the places to move this is how you you know you might want to get away with a thing or two this is how you do it like just had a couple of people who were just like this is how to be a kid at this school 
And these are the people you need to like make sure you're paying attention to. These people you can ignore. Like, and we felt such a obligation to give that to the next group of kids. We would always sit around like, all right, now I'm a sophomore. Where a freshman at? Come on, let me show you. This is this is what I learned. This is what so you get so you get ingratiated into the group, and nobody feels like they're just kind of out there by themselves. Because particularly when the school is so small, that's so easy to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. Moving on to college life, and you were kind of saying earlier about how you were so interested in architecture and just like staying after physics classes and stuff. And how exactly did Brooks prepare you for the college experience and like nurturing that passion that kind of affected what you were going to study? Um, it didn't in a way. I, I feel like the thing about, and this is, I, I, if I can give you a bit of advice. Yes. <laughs> Here, here's what boarding school kind of like it was a drawback because I fell into it too much. Boarding school is it's elitism. And so when you apply that elitism to your college education, it's kind of, it's it doesn't always work. So there's a thing to be said about, you know, I'm graduating friends of mine are going to Harvard and Yale and, you know, you got friends who like legitimately, you're just, you're a legacy. Like your granddad gives a crazy amount of money to the school. There's no way you're not getting in school. You're going to that school, you know, those kinds of things. And for me, I was playing in that world. I was playing in the world of like, what is the most prestigious place I can go to given the fact that this is where I came from. And I ended up at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Um, I ended up with a studying information systems. So it, 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 it was all things happen at to the right people at the right times for the right reasons, all those kinds of things. So I, I'm OK with it. But I remember when I left, when I was graduating, the first thing my mom said to me was, OK, you went and got it. Great. You went out there. You were the only kid. You did the whole like, you know, this this institution is nine percent black. If you're you're one of them, you're the special one. Hooray! And then she was like, "All right, now what you, you should go to Howard, right? Like, fam, you like you should come home, like balance it out." And I didn't, I didn't receive that. I didn't. I, I was like, "What? How? What are you talking about? Like, I got, I need, I need the prestige. I got to go to these institutions." And it didn't. I mean, it worked out in some ways because the reality was me going to Carnegie Mellon. I really went to Carnegie Mellon because I knew I could get a, a C average in Carnegie Mellon and come out and make a bunch of money because that's just how that school works. It's just like, oh, well, you, oh, you must be smart. You went there, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but and I ended up, which is was the blessing, is that I ended up just by default choosing information systems as a major, and that literally was on the incline trajectory of pro- computer programming, computer engineering. Like, so I, I got the degree that was, there was no way I wasn't going to be able to make a living. Uh, but I, I didn't really like that place. I got put out of that place. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't doing college for the right reasons. I was doing college to be uh, prestigious. I was being college, doing college for somebody to be like envious of what I've done because I feel like I'm supposed to be doing that because look at the high school that I went to. Like, you know, it, it's, you can get very caught up in um, how it looks. And college is so different. Like all, you know how much, like the, the interesting thing about boarding school to college is in boarding school, your life is so regimented. We know where you are, what time you're going to be there. You know what time you need to wake up, what time you go to school. You need to make sure you go into practice so that you get your sports done. Then your dinner's at this time. You got to, Wi-Fi cuts off at 10 o'clock. Like they have your life down to a science. And then as soon as you get to college, none of that exists nobody cares if you go to class like no none of that exists it all falls in a hole and that was the first that was the hardest thing to like get myself acclimated to because you can just not go to class nobody's about to be calling you okay like if you fail you fail you spent the money you didn't do anything with the education okay go home we're good but you're an adult now we're not here for the purposes of like checking up on you and who's tardy and who's here who's not you walked in the door, you paid for these credits, you said you were going to go get this education, did you? We put a lot of resources in front of you, but if you don't do anything with them, it ain't our fault. So college 
I, I'm always more actively, you know, if I can give you any advice is do not let this environment and this experience get you too far away from who you actually want to be and choosing your college in accordance with who you actually want to be. Now, it's going to be a minute. At least I had to take a minute out of high school where that who you are part of it gets a little funky because, you know, I, if you're in boarding school, whether or not you have money, you are around the money and a lot of it. And there's a way by which if you don't come from wealth, it takes you, I mean, you might get a little acclimated to feeling like you're wealthy until all of a sudden somebody's like, yeah, bruh. <laughs> but it, it, it was it was a funny experience to kind of be in that spot. Like you're around that wealth, you're around the, you know, like you got to have the things that all the other kids have. And then graduation came and I looked around and I'm like, oh, like that's, that's one of like almost my best friend. I don't really know that your grandmother is the wealthy one in your family. And you literally like, come walk off the stage with your diploma in hand, you hug your grandmother and then she points you toward the Mercedes because that's your, that's your graduation day. And it's like, I don't, I don't live that life. The, the greatest thing, I hope you have this experience because it was my favorite thing just be it, because it felt very, and I, and this is not any kind of intention to be culturally insensitive to anybody else. But my favorite, favorite thing that happened during graduation was that unbeknownst to me, my mother came to North Andover, Massachusetts with like 18 people. Like there were so many people. There were like four or five cars worth of people that came down to watch me graduate. And there was this, it was, I started, I took my family around and they, people legitimately thought I was given a school tour. Like they thought these were like prospective students because I'm walking it because it, it was such a big group. And the feeling like to look at some of my friends who had maybe like their mom, their dad, their little sister coming to graduation and they got a car. And I was like, man, you keep the car. You see all these people? Do you know how much they love me? Like these people can't afford to get down here. They did everything possible. They brought their kids just to see me graduate. Man, it was the greatest feeling that it validated going there. Like, there was nothing else that made me feel better about having gone there. And I hear you when you talk about like your mom and your grandma, you know that there's a whole collection of people being like, go do this, go do this for us and rep and make sure that we all feel proud about you being out here and pushing us forward. And to actually like see the pride, not to like, you know, cause there's one way that it gets becomes pressure and it's just like, Oh my God, I can't, you're going to be so mad if I get this wrong. <laughs> but there's another way to be like, you like, you guys really showed out for me. And that, that there was not another thing I told my mom. I was like, there was not another thing that you could have done for me that I appreciated more than bringing this many people <laughs> to come see me graduate. It was phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And even with like, the adjustment of college life and trying to figure out like, oh, okay, this is what I want to do, who I really am. It seems like for you, you kind of changed your ideas from like one thing to another thing to another thing. I mean, I mean, I feel like for me, I could definitely relate to that. Like bleeding up, like funny story. I think I only told this story one other time during one of my earlier episodes. Oh, so I had this like, so going into Hotchkiss, I had this entrepreneurship idea. Like I was obsessed, really obsessed with entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think I have one of the books right here. The view, the listener won't see this, but during quarantine, my dad got me this book and like one other book and I was just like reading it, annotating. I was like, okay, this is how you make money. All right, cool. This is how you make a business. Cool, right? Got it down. And then I was just like drafting ideas because I was born and I was like, wait a minute. What if I make a scooter business at the school so i was like going and i was like wait a minute what if i like actually make that a reality and i remember it was like it was like i think it was like a lecture school company that i was thinking and then during especially because like freshman year it was kind of still covid so like mm -hmm. and we had mandatory outdoor activities with our like little pods within the floor of the door oh uh, that's you can't tell yeah. me that story but go ahead yeah well i'll tell you after but yeah, one of the activities was a hike with the headmaster of the school. 
So this is the first time I had like a real experience with the headmaster of the school. Shout out to Mr. Bradley, by the way. He, I hope he hears this, but I remember we were just like going past the farm and I was like, all right, this is my chance. I pitched the idea to him. And then he's like, eh, I think this, the campus is a little bit too small because like ours is like a main building, science building. And then the furthest thing is the jet. So it's like, oh, uh, uh, so how many people are really going to be using this? I'm like, damn, maybe this isn't a good idea. And then I kind of just like kept it in the back of my mind. And I was like, and then I had another idea of making a podcast. I was like, damn, people talking on a mic. That seems cool. And I like my mm-hmm. philosophy class. Boom. Podcasting. So it like, it, so like for me, it was just like, try something else and try something new and even like with my whole thing with like tracking cross country i played basketball when i was since i was four and then i kind of like stopped in middle school because i i was like uh i'm I'm not gonna make it to the league so focus on academics right and then i did cross country i was like wait a minute i'm not bad and then it's like oh shoot now i'm building up to 50 running 50 miles a week i'm like how did it come to that so I'm kind of like interested. Oh, you see- do run a lot. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested to see like for you, how do you go from like architecture to like tech and then to the mic? That's an interesting question. So the architecture thing was always, and it's still like, it's funny because to me, if you start to look back throughout your endeavors you'll start to see weird kind of i don't even call them weird but just like connective tissues or certain things about the way your brain works that you realize like oh it works here it works here it works here it works like for me like i am a i'm a a very artistic kid but i'm my art is derived from math so everything is about and it's funny because my mother's a mathematician the thing that i got from my mom is that she's a she's a dual brain person so she got a math degree and she minored in english like she could do both sides and so i always used to kind of like mimic her and so architecture for me was this like upset like art that you could live in it just felt like the most grand notion that i could think of just like oh my god that's all i want to do if i could just like build little models because i was also like an obsessive lego kid i still have a bunch of legos like i like when I, I was i used to build uh card castles like i was particularly when i was growing up i used to make spaceships i was into anything that was like use my hands to craft something that was in my head that i could see physically in the world so architecture just made sense now i didn't know how hard getting into architecture school was. <laughs> like it was very difficult and so eventually i ended up in the space and that's kind of weirdly enough you I'm, it's you're now reminding me of this the the thing that i decided that i was going to do was I didn't get into any architecture schools, but what I was going to do was I chose Carnegie Mellon because I got in, it's a great school and their architecture program was dope. So I was going to get in and then infiltrate from the inside and transfer programs. And then I started doing IT just like, all right, let me just do this because, you know, and then it, it, that started catching on and I really started liking that. But the interesting thing about it was I wanted to do the front end. I wanted to do the design. I wanted to show you what the website looked like. And this, once again, it was a grandiosity to it. I liked the idea that I, if my design skills were just right and very good, you couldn't tell if I was a one-person business or a thousand-person business because it's just the, the, the presentation is just this site. So as long as it's dynamic, you're going with it. And so I, that got me there. Now, microphones... And audio is weird because it's an underlying part of my life. I have rapped, as in like rhyme, since I was got to be like six years old. A very long time. I was always, I was always a performer. I was dancing, rapping. I was always, I was a hip hop kid all my life. And so the the microphone thing became this way by which I kept choosing things that were splitting me. I was like picking these jobs that felt like, oh, I can do this job to make this money. But then on the side, I'm going to do this other thing. And a lot of it was derived from this idea I had in my head that you couldn't make money being an artist. You couldn't create things and have people pay you. I just didn't. It wasn't a thing that I saw a lot. 
And so I always kept the fact that I'm a dual brain person and lean on here's the tech is are these things will always make me money. They're very pragmatic skill sets. And so eventually I started having other people in my life who would say to me things like, Carl, I don't like, why are you doing this? I would never forget my, one of my best friends who actually was one of the reasons I moved to New York. Uh, I went to Carnegie Mellon with and He was a painter. His dad is this like very prominent, not his dad, his uncle is this very prominent video artist in New York. And we would like, just listen to hip hop music, think about creative stuff to make. We, that was just our, that was our relationship. And then when I graduated, he was a year ahead of me. So when he graduated, he went to New York, he started making things. And then he would call me and he'd be like, wait, what are you doing? Why are you doing? And he was just always challenging me to be like, have you asked yourself why are you doing this? And uh, eventually I started making, because that was when internet radio started to blow up. So then I started doing that. And I would do these like long, like both storytelling. And then I would like DJ at the back end and spin all this music. Oh. And the funny, it was, it was, and I love, it was so cool. And then I would have a bunch of friends like him, and a bunch of my friends from all over the country. Once they knew I was doing that, it was wild because I would have people literally be like, hey, is your show coming on? They would like rush home and get to it and hear it. It was an area interesting, like, thing to kind of get to and then eventually I realized like I always write I always like there were certain parts of me that I would do no matter where I was in my life and radio became a space where I was like oh this is this is where I can do all of this my ear is really attuned I can say what I want to say I get a lot of creative freedom it's just kind of a space that I feel like I can communicate effectively in because that's the piece that I feel as a, as a maker in the world is the most important thing find the space and the means to say what you want to say. Granted, there's going to be some stuff that you're going to have to say because that's just part of having jobs out here in the world. But if you can get to a spot where you can, you know, be feel very free in your expression, there is absolutely nothing like it on the planet. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, for me, even, like, as I went through elementary school, went through middle school, like, eventually I was always that person, like, asking the teachers questions and then sometimes my friend would get normal and be like why you ask so many questions in class like just like understand it i'll just be like no because like i always felt like there was something deeper to what they were saying and then that's when I, and then when i first took my philosophy class last year i was like wait we could like question people's mm. morals dead or alive i'm like wait a minute and i could question that and then that kind of went it was like oh why do i just start and i was like me and my dad have good conversations why don't i just record that see how mm -hmm. that goes and then it just like finding people finding friends finding people i know like you and just like wait this is actually fun and then that's when the audio and then the audio thing came second for me because i was like dang I kind of, I like talking, but then I did not like the editing part at first. Yeah. <laughs> took me a solid month to even like get the basis of GarageBand. But then when I started doing it, and especially now, it's like, oh, wait. Like some of the stuff like you were teaching me at Fordham was like, <laughs> wait, we could like listen to the tendencies of somebody saying, cut it, cut one word, and then like move the word around. I was like, wait a minute, that's cool. And I was like, I want to keep doing that. So that's kind of what it's been like for me. I was like, yeah, I think like even if it's not the only thing I want to do, I'll probably want to study other stuff in college. This is mm -hmm. something I want to like make a profession, you know, and that's yeah. kind of what it's been like for me in my own journey with it. That's solid, man. I think, you know, it, that's that's part of it. And, I, you know, I, you is a couple of other your, your classmates who, you know, reached out to me outside of the class and these these thing for me uh part of the reason i realized i wanted to go into radio was when i came to the understanding that like there are people who live in like very very remote parts of the world and that's all they have to like understand what's happening around them and it may only like reach a couple of miles outside and there's, they don't even have batteries or electricity they just got a crank radio as long as i got enough power in my arms i can get some information and for me even though i'm a tech person like that was one of the most important parts of choosing 
radio for myself where I was like, I don't even need electricity to do this in reality. Like there's some, there are models of this. Well, I probably need electricity to create it, but people don't need electricity to hear what I have to say, which in and of itself makes me feel like there's no version of this that will ever go away. Like it's always going to be around this level of communication. And to your point, I love running my mouth. It's like, this is easy, easy, easy stuff to want to wanna do. It started in music, but once I got to like, particularly storytelling, that's when it all kind of opened up for me. I was like, we could just make up stuff. Oh my God, I, this is infinite. I could do this forever. But to your point, I used to do it with my mom too. Like she lived in uh, Liberia, West Africa for like seven years before I was born. Like, I'm like, hey, you gotta, I need the, all of the gems. Give me everything you got. I'm, I'm obsessive about that as it relates to my family. I'm obsessive with that, about that as it relates to all the work I do. I'm, I'm into bridging gaps. Like, as you can see, even with the, with the New York Times class, right? Like every morning I'm like, philosophy time let's like tell me how you feel about x so that you can hear how i feel i can hear you we can bridge the gap so i can understand certain things in the way you guys see the world that i'm wow that's okay that makes sense now i'm, I'm just over here being an old person not not getting it but i really just needed to hear somebody tell me yeah yeah definitely and like continuing on like you just talking about um school new york times how was that like from like your perspective as like a teacher? Because I feel like even though like you were with us for a week and you talked about it briefly, I feel like there's like so much more to it than just like showing kids how to use like audacity and like Adobe yeah. and GarageBand. It's 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 phenomenal. It is one of the things that I love doing the most, to be honest. And part of it is that I feel like I'm in an industry that needs to continue to proliferate itself to like teach other people how it works. But just also, I don't ever want to, you know, be outside of the loop as it relates to young people. I really enjoy the the transference of information, of ideas. And, and for me, it just it goes so far. And to just watch you guys kind of like I mom, because my mom's a teacher, she kind of taught me this. It's like, you know, you teaching somebody when the light bulb go off in your head. That was the thing. Like when I sat with you and I was like, hey, here's how here's how you can cut. You were like, wait, wait, what? Cause you saw like, oh, I could do this in so many different ways as long as I know what I'm doing. Like, it just opened up a whole different door for my brain to like mess with this. And that is where I enjoy, you know, pushing things forward, but also just recognizing like getting people over the hump. I knew as soon as I pulled out Audacity, GarageBand, somebody was gonna be like, I don't do tech. This is not me. You know, I knew somebody was gonna be frustrated by that and trying to help them get past that to get to the point of where you are right which is like getting closer to the thing in your head and your ability that you just can talk through this medium in any way you want to you've seen enough things you've tried enough things that your your dexterity as it relates to how you like use your language is is and i for me that's like i don't know man it's a passport to the planet to your your ability to like capture language to be able to you know it's it's such a it's such a small but important thing to learn how to listen to other people. It's it just it's for me. So that's when I talk to young folks. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah, we're making pods. We are making pods, but I really just kind of want you to not feel uh, uncomfortable picking up a microphone and going up to a stranger and asking what they think about life, or asking your friend to, to just hop on a microphone and say something that you can do something with. Like that human engagement. You can't really make a podcast by yourself. You can but it ain't that fun. Uh, so it's that I, I also like promote that so big because I know this, this, this era is such a technologically forced one, but I mean, ain't nothing like human beings, man. <laughs> like, yeah, is, definitely. Like, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And to wrap up this episode, I'm going to ask my closing question that I always ask to all my guests. What is one question? Mm -hmm you had coming into the episode that was answered or what's one question you still have so you can ask me away with anything and i'll try to answer to the best of my ability oh ask you a question yeah hmm. let me see oh finally i got you stumped <laughs> yeah i know i brought my let me see i want to I, I really want to know let me see uh, um What are you most afraid of about 
leaving Hotchkiss. What I'm most afraid of about leaving Hotchkiss. Ooh, dang. I just threw the cards in my direction. I'm stumped as well. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to think about it like in a way. I think it's like a mix of different things. I think one, like above all is failure. Cause mm. I think the worst thing I want to do is either A, get into like eh, college and be like, damn. I didn't really take advantage of what of the resources ha- I had or B get into a good college and then you graduate from the good college and then you still don't know what you want to do. And then your parents are like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> or like three, I guess like, uh, I think all, I think probably the second one is just like, like besides failures, like also regret. I just don't want to go in there and like regret something that I shouldn't have. And I think that's also why it's just like my reason for like to keep going with the podcast is like, like keep going. Like I have nothing to lose right now. Like, like I, I, especially at this stage, I am perfectly fine with falling on my face and be like, all right, what do I need to know this time? And especially with like the second season, I really want to take my time. It's like, yeah, I haven't been like, posting the consistent ep- episodes like twice a month that I did last year by just like making it getting the right people and making it quality mm-hmm. and that's and that's the biggest thing for me and like this year I've been able to get some people in my corner who really helped me a lot like my English teacher Miss Marcellus shout out to her Dr. Norman like them being able to help me especially like getting people to interview. Like I remember Dr. Norman was like, Hey, we got someone from the board of trustees that you can interview. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I went through with that. She actually enjoyed it. She later came to campus and I talked to her for a little bit. And she was there for like the alumni award. And she's like, Oh, you want to speak to the alumni award recipient? I was like, yeah, sure. And I learned through while I was there, He's like one of the owners of Fenway Sports Group, who like oh, the wow. Red Sox and Liverpool. I'm like, wait a minute, LeBron is, is part of that group. Yeah, That's and wild. like, I was able to get his email at least put my name out there, and mm-hmm. that was one of the. And that's also like with my mentality of just like go for it. I have nothing to lose. That's also where it's just like putting my name out there, putting my name out there. Like even with the New York Times, just like hustling, like. When you bought Bradley, I was like, hey, you got Spotify, you got Apple Podcasts? All right, here, listen to, I got you, follow follow it, listen to it. You won't regret it. Or just talking to other students like, oh, so you know how to do a podcast? All right, cool. Let me get your phone. Boom. Type it in. Boom. It's just like doing stuff like that. And yeah, man. It's like, it's like fear, but the fear that drives you. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep, that's I, that's a great that's a great response because I, I have that same thing where it's just kind of like there's certain things about my life that I am scared of what they look like if I don't get certain things done. I'm like, Ooh. and I don't want to find out. I'm staying right on this until yeah. I materialize exactly what I get want. Yeah, yeah, man, I hear you, bro. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Attending boarding school as an underprivileged student represents many different things. There is a tough road you have to get through to get the opportunity, and you have to work even harder to compete with your peers. I'm truly grateful for attending Hotchkiss, as it has boosted my confidence to compete with my peers. It has also increased my standards into what I can achieve, such as attending universities like Williams, Princeton, and Harvard. There you have it. That concludes Episode 8 of Season 2. Make sure to download this episode and subscribe to the podcast. This is available on all platforms, so share the link with people you know. Donate to support the show and join the email listing for episode notifications. Until then, stay safe and keep questioning.